Hello, everybody. This is Mark Lewandowski. Welcome to Mind Your Business. Mind Your Business is all about building your personal capacity. Personal capacity is what is needed for you to grow in your career, make great decisions, and become a person of influence. So sit back and enjoy this content as I share with you insights and stories, examples, and personal challenges designed to do one thing, build your capacity to change your world. Hello, everyone. This is Mark Lewandowski, and I'm coming to you with a special guest, a guy named Jordan Evans. Jordan is one of the founders of Showroom Garage Services, a startup company that's done very, very well. Jordan, welcome to Mind Your Business Podcast. Thank you for having me, Mark. Very excited to see what you have, what kind of questions you have today. Jordan, I got a ton of questions for you. You know, there's so many of my listeners that want to start another business, and they really want to break away from what they call the man, that person that hires them and makes them work like crazy and keeps them from being super successful. And by the way, I am one of those people called the man, which I, I found the enemy and it is me. But I want to say, Jordan, let me, let's get this first right out of the gate. Why did you want to start another business while you were a full-time employee? Ooh. I think that the main thing that made me want to start my own business was, wasn't so much to get out of the job of leaving the man, but I think more of I just had a deep desire to create um, through college. And even after college, I found out the probably the thing that I'm best at is creation and ideas. And that kind of thing is really fun for me. And so, I mean, me and my friend, Seth, actually, he – we, we talk about business ideas all the time, and this is the one that um, that stuck, and here I am. But I think that it wasn't so much as getting out from under the man, but more along the lines of this is just who, who I am as a person. I'm, I have an entrepreneurial heart. Okay, so you mentioned that you and your friend talk about businesses all the time. Ha, is this the only idea you had, or had you vetted a lot of different ideas? Uh, we vetted hundreds and hundreds of ideas. We have uh, I have a journal and an online Google Drive of just lists of of ideas that we we could potentially start. Some would cost a lot more startup costs than another, um, but no, this was one of among a sea of ideas that we came up with. So before we'll come back to that more specifically about your business in just a moment. But were you ever concerned that starting a business on the side would negatively impact your relationship with your employer? No, I did not. I feel like I put myself on an employer's shoes, and I think if I had people working for me that had their own companies on the side, I would feel that I know I hired some smart guys, some competent and resourceful guys that can get the job done that I give to them. Okay, well, you're making a pretty good assumption there that your employer is a reasonable, thinking, yeah. smart, you know, <laughs> competent person. What about those people out there that think their boss is absolutely a turd and they just don't think that having a business on the side would go very well with their employer? Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. I mean, there's it's more likely than not that people work for an employer that they don't like. I'm fortunate enough to be on the opposite end of that. 
But I think if you worked for an employer you hated, I think it'd be that much easier to go off and start your own company because then you're fueled by, I want to get the hell out of here. Tired of working for this guy or this girl. <laughs> this paycheck's not worth it. I'd rather be a street bum and, you know, clean bicycles for $5 a pop, but at least I know that I don't have to go into that office or something. <laughs> that would be just miserable. I think many of us listeners have heard uh, have heard those stories or have experienced those stories themselves. Well, let's go to the first few days. You launched this company about a year ago. What were the first few days or weeks or months like? What, what When did you work? You, you were working eight to five, uh, Monday through Friday and some other travel, but when did you get the, how did you get the business started? What were those days like? Man, the the beginning of the business was definitely the most fun because that's when you're coming up with names, you're coming up with logos, you're delegating who's going to be in charge of what. Everything is an open door. You have no idea what's going to work, what's not going to work, and that's why it's so exciting. Um, but yeah, if you're working 8 to 5, really the only time you can work on your, your side business is the morning or in the evenings, which I'll admit is difficult sometimes. I'm married when I come home, the last thing I want to do sometimes and my wife wants me to do is get on and call people or work on a website or send out mail to clients, but that's just what it takes. You've heard me say many times that Saturdays are for entrepreneurship or Saturdays for are for wealth creation. I talk about that all the time, that if you're working Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, then you ought to figure out something, especially in your early years of marriage or you're fresh out of college, figure out something, some way where you're making money on Saturdays. Talk to me about with you and your wife, how does that work out? How have you had that communication with your wife about giving up your Saturdays to build this business? It's It wasn't tough to get her on my side. She knows that it's a means to an end. We're putting in the work now. I mean, my, I drag my wife with me all the time. We go put up yard signs all over Tulsa on Saturday nights, Friday nights, when we could just be drinking wine, watching a movie, um, she gets it. Um, I think you definitely, if you're doing a, a startup, I think you, if you are married, you definitely need to be on the same page because I can see very quickly if you were not how it could be, um, it could seem to your your spouse that you're choosing work constantly over relationship. Now, if you were working for somebody else and you were putting out signs signs along the road, at the end of four hours of doing that, you'd be paid. But in this case, at the end of four hours of doing that, there is no pay. How do you how do you rectify that? How do you communicate that with your spouse who might not be the entrepreneur like you are? That that actually is a little more difficult to to get across to your spouse. You're you're I mean I'm cleaning all these garages and I'm going and putting up yard signs, putting all this time in, sending out mail, um, thinking of new ideas. I'm really just putting in all this time that I don't necessarily spend on building my relationship with my wife, but I'm not getting paid for it. So yes, that is one of the biggest struggles of starting your own companies. You don't get paid for a lot of the stuff that you do. Even though you're making money, a lot of that money goes right back into making more money. So you guys have been very successful, but the money keeps getting stored within the organization or you reinvest in it in something else? Yes, we, we've been putting everything back into the company. I mean, we pay the people that go clean the garages um, but we're we're not taking any distributions. We're buying better equipment. We're buying uh, better websites. We're buying better uniforms. Um, we're sending out Christmas cards to all of our clients. Um, we're doing anything and everything we can so that when we get competition one day, we're easily able to stomp them out because we're we're the best and 
we own this territory. So the early days were really fun because you're coming up with ideas, you're brainstorming, you're doing all the cool stuff, all the creative stuff, all that left brain you know, right brain, different activities. You were doing a lot of right brain creative stuff. Um, when the business started to take off, how did you manage the day-to-day operations while fully employed, while being a full-time employee? How do you take calls and how do you work in the middle of the week? Well, one answer to that is vacation days. I had some vacation days, uh, built up that I used to clean garages on weekdays. We did our best to schedule as many as we can on weekends, um, so there's no scheduling conflicts there. But taking calls during the day, I'll admit it's tough sometimes. You'll be on a call with um, your day job client, and you, you can see your cell phone ringing, and it's your side business, but you can't answer it because you're on somebody else's time. So it, it's tough, but it's it's doable. And I think that people understand. Um, when, whenever I tell people that it's not my full-time job, they have a lot of respect for me knowing that, wow, they've built this incredible business, and they're not even doing it full-time. Like It's it's not even to that point where all all of these owners are doing this full time. You know, a lot so. of people talk about a thing called the side hustle as if the, there's two ways you can think of it. A hustle. Like I went down to the pool hall and I hustled some guys and took their money or I hustled and had to work my butt off. Which one has this been for you? This is, I have to work my butt off. So sure. your side <laughs> hustle is like, you're really hustling to oh, work yeah. your butt off. Oh yeah. So when you get a call in the middle of the day and you can see a voicemail and you want to so desperately respond, how do you handle that? When do you take that call? I mean, I'll, if I'm not doing anything else that requires my immediate attention, I'll call them back. Our calls don't take more than a couple minutes. Um, but I also have no problem calling people later in the evening and telling them, I'm sorry, I, I work here, blah, blah, blah. They, they understand. They're sympathetic. And I think just getting back to people and letting them know the reason for why you weren't able to get their call, it, it speaks volumes. So, Jordan, you're fully you're you're a full time employee right now, and you've got a side hustle business that's going very well. Is that correct? Correct. When do you see a jump off point? That that point at which you say, "Okay, I've done so well with my side hustle; it's now my main thing, and I'm going to give up the freedom and security of my full time employment with the man to go out on my own." That's tricky too. Um, I haven't set a specific – actually, I did. I, I told myself if I can get to X amount of, of money consistently with my own company, I would jump off. But the problem with that, like you said, is you lose the stability. So, I mean, we have an apartment. We have payments. We have insurance that we got to pay. I have student loans. So there's all these factors that, that draw you into keeping your day job where you know if you did leave and you went full-time with your own – your own company, you know that it could it could be huge for how fast you grow. Yeah, one um, of the concepts that we deal with uh, all the time, thinking about jump the jump off point, is a thing called employment paralysis. It's this concept where I I can't jump off because I'm I'm paralyzed from the damn job. I need the paycheck, I need the benefits, I need the four hundred one k, and the reason is because. Uh, eight months ago, I bought a car. Two months ago, I signed a new lease. I bought, you know, I got school loans. I got all these things that are holding me back. Uh, is that is that a reality of work for you? Is this thing called employment paralysis? Yes, it's it's easy to to say. Yeah, I I, I could, when I get to making X amount a month, I'm jumping off. But whenever push comes to shove, when I get to that point, I don't know if I'll be able to do it or not because I'm not there because there's a lot of risk that's involved. We may go three months without making any money and I'm, I'm just screwed. And now I don't have a job. My company's failing, but 
I think that that's kind of the risk that you take in being a business owner is you know you got to invest in yourself, and I think that that's what the most successful people do. When you started your business, you had all these dreams about what you wanted to look like, and a lot of those things came true. What happened that you didn't expect? I honestly didn't expect us to grow as fast as we did. I I also didn't expect. So we're in a garage cleaning comp- service. We're in the garage cleaning industry. We're no, by no means the first ever garage cleaning service. But I had no idea how big of fans we would get just by being who we are. So one thing I didn't expect with our business, I knew we were going to be a customer service business, but I had no idea how much it would affect us by having the right people at the job. It makes you think completely different. You can't When you think about going to a new location, you think about, well, crap, we're going to have to hire people that can do just as good of a job as the guys we have now. And how much are we going to have to pay these people? Because we don't want just anybody touching all of these people's things in their garage. You want the right people, the right smiles, the right look. I mean, there's a there's a lot of things that go into that. Yeah, when I was first starting out, my, my first business was a window cleaning business. And I started out doing commercial and then trans, transferred it all over to residential because there was so much more money in residential window cleaning. The problem was is that when you're cleaning wealthy people's homes, you're near big, pots of their pocket change or a Rolex watch or there's dollars or there's expensive jewelry, things left out all the time. You're in a, a person's master bedroom or their bathroom and, and cleaning the window and there's valuables all around. So you have to really seriously think about how do I find employees that I can that I can trust that aren't going to steal from those people? Or how do I find employees that I can trust that are going to show up and work hard every time and maybe not come back later and, and rob from my, my customer. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely the same situation we're in. I mean, we, we're creating a market for garage cleaning. It exists, but it isn't known yet. It's like whenever Uber first started, you had to convince people that it's safe to ride with a stranger. We're, we're convincing people that it's normal to get your garage cleaned like you do your house. So we it ha- everything has to be perfect, especially starting off because we're building a reputation that's going to carry on for the next century. I always say that being a thought leader is twice as difficult because you have to convince somebody first that they have a need, and then secondly, you're the one to fulfill that need. Competition is really a much easier marketplace to play in because you simply have to beat your competitor. The market already believes that they have a need. Now you just have to simply prove that your value proposition is better than your competitors. So what are some of the other challenges, looking back, that, that you found working with? Have there been any challenges working with the customer? Yeah, so we've, we've run into some challenges that we didn't, didn't foresee. Um, a lot of it was built on trust. You know, we live in Oklahoma we're in the southern hospitality is what we're known for and we didn't we never anticipate anybody to not pay us but one of the things that we do sell to our clients is um some additional services or tubs and stuff like that and we've had a few people that have disputed the amount of tubs that we've sold them or a service that they thought was included really just miscommunication items that um on our part as a business we definitely failed to make aware to the client but other than that, I think I think we're, we're learning every day. We're still very new. We're only going to be one year in operation this coming May. So we're, we try to get 1% every, 1% better every day. 
Let's talk a little bit about the process of getting better. You, you said every day you want to get 1% better. How do you guys manage the process of talking about getting better, iterating your process, making things better, listening to your customers? What does that look, what does that look like? What's that communication look like? There definitely needs to be trust, and there needs to be delegation of who's going to be focusing on what. So my focus is customer experience and um, getting new clients in the funnel. So I'm always thinking of how are we, when we're cleaning these garages, how are we going to get them to sign up for our maintenance service? How are we going to get them to use us again? Um, We have a guy who focuses solely on how are we going to make our process faster? How are we going to make it more enjoyable to the customer? Um, We have a guy that focuses on our website. How are we going to get more traffic to our website? How are we going to get the word out? But really, I think that you need to have a trustworthy team, and you really need to be on the same page at all times. Your digital marketing and social media has been exceptional. It's really done well. Talk a little bit about that. What is What has been your strategy, and what are some of your surprises? Well, the biggest surprise in getting in the garage cleaning industry is finding out that our number one client is women between the ages 30 and 50. That was a huge revelation to us because we think – okay, cleaning garages, we're going to be dealing with men. It is very rare that a man would, one, call us, two, agree to let us clean their garage, even if their wife loves the idea of getting us cleaned. So that was probably the biggest find is, well, okay, if it's women that are interested in our service, we need to market the crap out of our service to women. So that's what we do. We market to them on Facebook. We make our website. I mean, our color is purple. You wouldn't think that garage cleaners would be purple. Um... So all of our language and everything about our brand is tailored to be easy. It's tailored to be desired by women, clean, um, and convenient. Let's go back to day one. On day one, you told me, the very first question, you started talking about how it was so exciting to plan, to get ready, to think about what the business is going to look like. And bam, right out of the gate, you find out that the absolute target market you thought you were going after men was wrong, you're going after women. So instead of advertising garage cleaning at at the home goods store or the cigar shop, you're in a nail salon or a hair salon advertising to women. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Wherever the women are, that's where that's where we want to go. I mean we've tried we've tried car dealerships, we've tried auto parts stores, but that's just not where our clients come from. Our clients come from, you know, like you said, the nail salons. Facebook has even been great for us. People, parents, and people that own homes—they're on Facebook all the time. So we we luckily have have built a pretty pretty good following of people that share our posts. So that's one of the main avenues that we get our business from. I'm a real big believer that in most of the industries in the United States, the women are the dominant decision makers of those purchases. There's even a book that I used to use and teach it in college called "Why She Buys" that I highly recommend. It's it's really more about um, the social elements of the of a female driven economy and why women make decisions or how they go about making decisions. So I'd like to say that to everybody that's out there listening, tr- check out why she buys. Jordan, if you're giving advice to somebody that's beginning and just starting, or maybe they're really frustrated with their job and they've got an idea, what do they do first? If you've got an idea, and I've had thousands, believe me, Stop focusing on ideas because they will never. If you're like me, your ideas will never stop flowing. And I heard a saying that you can't toast bread with a flashlight. You need to focus your energy on one idea. Pick any of them; they're probably all as viable as any other one you have. 
and just go with it. Do do a little work on it every night, on the weekends, in the mornings. Just put time into one idea, focus, and be the best at it because I, I've learned personally you can take any idea and you can be the best at it if you, if you want to. You don't have to have the next Facebook or the next Uber or Airbnb. You just have to have an idea, okay, how am I going to be the best or create this into a, a billion-dollar business? So many of my friends or students or some of my clients that I do advisory work on are so attached to their first idea. They think their first idea is their only idea. You know, the reality is, what you said, Jordan, if you've got a lot of ideas, grab one and go for it. You're going to learn so much from that first idea. And many Mm -hmm. times I say, don't worry necessarily about the success or, or failure. Worry about the process. You're learning so much about the process. What are a couple of things that um, you've learned or categories like you said employees mm-hmm. uh, customers what about owners have you have you thought about have you um, changed the way you feel about or think about yeah who you have within your organization definitely so our company is unique we started it with four friends and you learn a lot when you start becoming when you become an owner in a business that you all have your money in um together the the friendship dynamic changes a little bit because now you have to be brutally honest with each other and it can it can cause some tension, and it has. As you know, I'm in a family business, and yeah. you know, if you're brutally honest right before Thanksgiving, that makes for a pretty lousy Thanksgiving yeah. dinner. Yeah, yeah. It, cha- it changes whenever you get into business with somebody. Um, but one thing that I've learned in uh, business is taxes and tax deductions and LLCs. So for that very reason, like you said, pick a business, pick an idea, and go with it because you will learn so much. You'll learn more about marketing. You'll learn more about how to use your business to like get you things that you can use as a tax deduction. Um, there's there's just so much stuff you can't learn on paper that it's just so much better to learn practical experience. What's next for you, Jordan? What's next? What's three years down the road? What's five years down the road? So three years down the road, we want to have multiple locations, whether those be ones that we own or ones that we franchised out to people. Um, I don't foresee the garage cleaning industry being the only thing I do, but I do think it's going to become the cash cow for many businesses that, that me and my partner start in the future. You know, I'm going to wrap this up by saying, first of all, Jordan, thank you so much. And I want to, I want to talk about a quote out of Stanford University. I think it was um, Bob Sutton that said, firm opinions loosely held. And that's what you did. You started out with real firm opinions, but you went to the marketplace and you held them loosely. You gave them up if they didn't work. You changed what you did. You adjusted. You altered. And that's really the key to business. So this is Mark Lewandowski with Mind Your Business with my special guest, Jordan Evans. Jordan, again, thank you so much. Yeah, you are thank a marvelous you guys. Guest. I hope this helps a lot of people that are thinking about starting a business. And if, if you are thinking about starting a business, just do it. I mean, pick the one that costs the least money for you to start. I promise you will learn something. Even if you learn how to fail, you learned, you learned something. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mind Your Business. Please check me out on Facebook and Instagram and be sure to send me a message if there's something you need or want me to talk about. You know, the great motivational speaker Zig Ziglar once said, you can have anything in life you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. What does that mean for you today? That means if there's something in this content that is exciting and really resonates with you, pass it along to your friends. Share it. 
Let them develop and become strong in their thinking, in their motivation, in their knowledge, just like you are. Together, knowledgeable, you and your friends will change the world.